Today, if you turn this morning into your uh, your word, your your bread of life, that book that you hold in your hand that was authored by the Holy Spirit, that is the word of God to us, if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, a continuation, part 2, of Christians and Conscience. And again, I want to remind you where we left off. The word conscience in English uh, for us from the, the definition that is given to us in the original language, uh, written in Greek and, and Aramaic, means to know with. It's, it's that actionable way that we process information that comes from our relationship with the Lord that enables us to hear directly from God that influences the way we think, that ultimately is that internal voice within you that you just know that you know. It's your conscience. It's how you discern things. It is the way that you understand God's direction in your life. It's how we as Christians react to the things in the world and the way that God has purpose to work in our lives. And of course, this is one of those hugely practical things that we have to deal with every day. What does my to know with tell me about all these things going on? As I began this message, one of the things I brought to you, you're going to have to vote your conscience here in a couple of months. You're forced to choose where you purchase goods from by your conscience. You are given all kinds of liberty, and it is your conscience that needs to guide you in how you process that information and what you ultimately do with it. Everything in life, in essence, has the the conscience that we now have affected by the work of the Holy Spirit through prayer, the Word of God, the counsel of other believers, God speaking directly into your life, you now have that as guidance for virtually every decision you make. And so Paul now turns his attention to uh, these things that are offered to idols. And when we first read the first verse here in chapter 8, we look at it and we're going, I mean, that's crazy. We don't, you know, there's no idol temple. Um, I, I would say to you, yes, there are. And in fact, there are a lot of idol temples. Uh, there, there's a whole city full of idol temples called Las Vegas. Uh, we have an idol temple at the bottom of the hill called San Manuel Indian Bingo and Casino. We, we have bars. We have strip clubs. We have all of these things that in essence are the world. They're the sum. They're the substance of it. There, there are those uh, supersized portions, you know. It's like, if you remember, I know growing up, I mean, a big drink was a 16-ounce one. You could get an 8-ounce, a 12-ounce, and a really big one at 16-ounce. And now it's like, well, can I get a 174-ounce drink? And, you know, I want to... We have all kinds of things that I think our flesh would idolize, and to some degree, people worship at those temples, do they not? They, they go into that, that restaurant, they go into that bar, they go into that casino, they go into the big box store, and, and it's like flies to flame, you know, the, the moth to the light thing, and it's like, oh, there's a sale on, and we can't help ourselves. What do we do in those cases where obviously uh, there is a decision to be made as to whether this glorifies the Lord or not? But what do we do with that decision? How do we process that information? And so this morning, uh, part two of Christians and Conscience, 
Would you pray with me as you ask the Lord to speak to us? Father God, as we draw our attention here to your word, we pray that your spirit would just simply speak truth into us. Lord, that we would be able to process and retain and to know. God, what is your perfect will in these things that we face each day? And I pray for those that are bound up in legalism this morning, that they would be set free. And I pray for those that have been uh, released to, to be libertine in their thinking. Lord, they've taken that too far. Lord, they've used their freedoms wrongly. I pray that you would also correct that falsehood. I pray that you'd find, Lord, in each of us that great place of balance according to the knowledge that we do have of your word and the way that you have worked in our lives. Uh, bless us now as we hear your word. Help us to retain it. Uh, For our good, Lord, a lamp unto our feet, a light to our path, let it be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 here in 1 Corinthians 8, And now concerning things offered to idols. And as I said, uh, very important, we don't just throw that out, because there isn't a cultish temple in the middle of town. Uh, Because perhaps there's, there's, you know, not some gigantic... Uh, building somewhere that we could go to and, oh, wow, they really offer up meat to idols in that place. Because I think we need to broaden the view here. This was the problem in Corinth, but the problem still exists in Running Springs. It exists here in California. It exists in our country. It exists in our world. For we know that we all have knowledge, and the we there is referring to the body of Christ, so he's talking to Christians, is we all have knowledge. And that's true. And the interesting thing is, is not all of us have exactly the same knowledge. Amen? We're on different places and different paths and uh, different levels of maturity in the body of Christ. As I've shared with you before, I think that's the admonition of Paul to Timothy and Titus as he's writing the pastoral epistles. Those of us who are in ministry, uh, we have a lot more knowledge. And so consequently, that depth of conscience is in to some degree uh, greaterly, greater enhanced. In other words, I look at things and they're pretty cut and dry for me. And, and, and those qualifications that I must meet as a pastor, they're much more stringent than they are for somebody who just gave their life to the Lord at a harvest crusade who yesterday was a crack dealer. They're doing really good to be saved. But Pastor Jeff would not be doing really good to just simply be saved. I ought to be further along, and so my conscience, in essence, is sharper. It's more focused. I have the ability to discern in a much more finite way than perhaps someone who just gave their life to the Lord. This passage takes that into account, and it's extremely important for you practically and applicationally to understand this you are going to be held in account of the knowledge you personally have. Some of you may have not been convinced or convicted of certain things that perhaps I am. Some of us may be very convinced and convicted in the spirit of certain things that perhaps none of you are. And so God allows for that in our lives in the area of liberty, Things that are not clearly defined in Scripture as sin, but yet have the potential to either harm or to be used as something that maybe we would call recreational. Maybe it's something that is uh, what we would affectionately call a liberty. And so he begins to make this case now. 
for we know that we all have knowledge. Then he goes on to talk about knowledge in and of itself. Very important you get this distinction. Knowledge by itself, knowledge alone, knowledge without love puffs up. In other words, knowledge exercised improperly, or knowledge used as a weapon, or knowledge taken out as the holy baseball bat to beat your friends with, or or knowledge used, in essence, wrongly, puffs up, causes problems, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. In other words, none of us know everything. Amen? Not me, not you, not anybody, not Billy Graham, not Pastor Chuck. Nobody knows everything. Our knowledge is always limited. Only God has full knowledge of everything. And so when we talk about knowledge, we must exercise that knowledge in love. Because everybody's got some, nobody has all, and along that journey between those two extremes is all of us. I have some, you have some, maybe I've got more than you, maybe you have more than me, but the fact of the matter is, none of us is capable of judging every situation absolutely correctly. Get it? It's important we understand this. Because if we don't understand it, here's what happens. You become part of one of two basic camps. The person who thinks they have all this knowledge, and man, I I read only from the King James, and I can study Greek and Hebrew, and I have just been pounding the Word of God since I was two years old. I started to read at one, and I've been reading, and I'm now 60 years old, and I know everything that there is in the Bible, and I drag it all out. That person becomes a legalist. And they say, well, I know every verse there is to know about everything. And they just rattle them off one after another. That person has a tendency to lack love. And then there's the other side, the libertine side, that says, I don't want to know anything, because if I know anything, then I'm responsible for that information, so I'll stay an ignorant baby for the rest of my life. God doesn't want us to have either of those two extremes because we've been set free in Christ. Amen? We have been set free in Christ. And we've been given all things richly to enjoy. But we must exercise that knowledge in love. And love, in the biblical sense, which we're going to see when we get to chapter 13, is a self-denying love. It's not the world's love that is a self-exalting love. It's a self-denying love. So what it says here is, I don't know everything, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. And so the directive to us is to gain knowledge, make sure we use it properly in love, and as we do that, make sure that we're glorifying God in it, in everything, in every decision you make whether it's that shopping trip or whether it's that recreational activity or whether in this case it was meat offered to idols and therefore concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. He's beginning to make this very plain case. He says, come on, guys, be serious. 
It's stone. It's metal. It's got no power. It isn't really God. Just because you offered it to that idol, it doesn't change the fact that it's a nice fat hunk of steak. It's still good meat. There's nothing wrong with it. The idol has zero power. But he's going to give the flip side to somebody who believes that it does have power. Because maybe you don't believe it. Maybe you have, as this began, the knowledge that that idol is just a dumb hunk of rock, okay? And you're looking at it, it's a dumb hunk of rock. It can't do anything, it can't speak, can't save you, has zero power, and I don't care how much you praise it, it can't do anything. Notice what he says. He says, we know that the idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one. Just one God. He's the only one that's got power. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on the earth, for as there are many gods and many lords, the world's view is that there's all kinds of things that are God. We have people that live in our town that believe trees are gods. We have people in our town that believe that sex is God. We have people in our town who believe that money is God. There are people who legitimately believe those things. You talk to them, oh yeah, the trees have spirits. We've got a guy in Green Valley Lake that I'm telling you, he believes that every tree has, it's like it's got its own little persona and you can go talk to it and it can do you favors and you'll be blessed by seeing an eagle and, and yes, I'm being a little bit mocking as I say that, but I'm doing it for a purpose. He believes it. I don't believe it. And I know, in fact, that it's not true. But he believes it. And he believes it hardcore. So much so that he sets up his little tent near his tree and he gets up every morning and he prays to the tree. It's a real deal to him. Yet for us, notice the plural pronoun there, yet for us, for you, for me, there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things, and through whom we live. So from our perspective, there's just one God. He exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, but there's just one God. But not everybody believes that. Not everybody understands that. Not everybody has a relationship with the true and the living God. And there are a lot of people in this world whom you are witness to that have a very different view than you do of those things. We can't deny that, family of God. And sometimes we get so dogmatic about our, our belief, and I do it too. I'm not condemning anyone because I know the truth that we forget not everybody believes that, and we lose compassion, we lose love, we stop being attractive to people who need Jesus because we have lost the love of God in our correctness. Do you understand that? We can be so correct in our doctrine and in our dogma that we are no longer attractive to the lost. We don't offer anything to them other than a good whooping. They already know that they have problems. The question is, are we offering an answer? And so he says, through whom are all things? We know this. We for him and we live in him. However, 
Notice what he says next. There is not in everyone that knowledge. Buddhists don't get it. Hindus don't get it. Muslims don't get it. Animists don't get it. Mormons don't get it. There are a lot of people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not have a personal relationship with the true and the living God, the one that created them, the one that loves them, the one that came to Calvary's cross to die for them personally so that they might have eternal life. They don't know that. And so to them, that idol does have power. To them, that thing that they do makes sense somehow. For some, with consciousness of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol. They say, you know what? They believe that little wood spirit that they carved actually has power. They believe with all their heart, with all their mind, as in this case, that that meat that was offered to that idol in that temple on the hill actually has spiritual meaning and spiritual power. And so to them, they are very affected by that. They are actually extremely upset about it if we use it wrong. And this is where I believe sometimes we lose our ability to be relative in situations as we share the love of God. As I shared with you, I am a pastor in a pulpit right now. But what I'm sharing with you as principally believers in the Lord Jesus Christ is very different than how I talk to someone who is a Mormon or how I talk to someone who is a Hindu or how I talk with someone who is a Buddhist or how I talk to that guy in Green Valley Lake. I've spent hours talking to him. It's like, really, you actually believe that? How, how did you come to that conclusion? You see, if they don't see the love of God, they won't be attracted to God. If they don't understand that Jesus loves them, this I know, then they're not going to ever come to Christ. And so he says, be careful that you aren't just filled with knowledge. That you don't just pull out your Bible and beat somebody with it. Because it's easy to do. And he goes on, but food does not commend us to God, for we're neither, if we eat of it, are we better, nor are we worse if we eat it. But beware, he says, in other words, for you as Christians, honestly, family of God, God's not keeping track of the number of beers that you've had in your life. God's not, God's not up there going, man, I can't believe he smoked a cigar. I saw those quarters he dropped in that slot machine. God's not doing that. God's not going, okay, that's it. Three cigars, five beers, six quarters, you're out. God's not doing that. You have liberty. And God's not sitting there going, okay, well, you're in trouble now. Now, I believe there is an answer for me as a pastor, and I believe that I would translate those things to you this way. I drink as much alcohol as I want. 
None. Zero. Do I have the liberty to have a glass of wine with dinner as a pastor? Yes, I do. But here's what we're going to find out. Not if I stumble somebody. So how many people am I going to stumble? Pretty much a bunch, a lot, many, maybe all. So how much do I have? Zero. How many trips do I make to Vegas? Exactly zero. Can I point you to a verse that says you should never drop a quarter into a slot machine or you're going to hell? No, I can't. But I can tell you that the Old Testament clearly declares that we're not to give our homage to the God of luck. And so there is a bit of an addressing of that situation. But here's what happens if Pastor Jeff's over there and he's on TV now because he just hit the jackpot pulling the one-armed bandits. People are going to be going, um, I think that's a contradiction. And so they're going to be steered away from the truth of the gospel because of my action. And so I will do none of it. And I will encourage you to do none of it because I feel that it's quite unwise, even though it is okay from a legal standpoint. It's not tough to figure out gambling, okay? 98.76% of people lose. So if I offered you a business opportunity and I came to you and I said, I'd like $10,000 of your money, and if you give me $10,000, I'm going to take 98.7% of it and I'm going to give you back the rest. How many of you are going to take that? You're all going to go, he's nuts, not giving him a penny. So don't go to Vegas because that's what's going to happen to you. Okay? It's easy. I can say that to you as the body of Christ. You are not very bright if you throw your money away in Las Vegas, okay? But you can. Please don't. It's dumb. Same thing is true with alcohol. Same thing is true with smoking. Smoking defiles the temple of God. Your body belongs to him. You shouldn't do it. Can you? Yes. But if you're stumbling people, should you? No. You see, it becomes very easy when you look at it from love's sake. If I love somebody, I do not want to encourage them to do something that's going to harm them. Amen? If you have children, you know this in practice and principle. How many of you want to show your children things to do that you know will destroy their life? If any of you raise your hand, I'm coming down and slapping you. Okay? You won't do that, all right? You're, you're not going to tell your children, hey, well, you know, I, I know I do these things, but you don't do that. We call that hypocrisy, amen? So the things that we know are damaging, we shouldn't do for love's sake. Not because there's a Bible verse that says you can or cannot do it, but for love's sake, I don't want anybody to be harmed. You get the picture. It becomes very easy to discern these things. It's not that you can't, it's that you shouldn't. Not because God is standing there going, wow, that's four of those. It's because if you do one of them, you're telling somebody that it's okay for them, and it's not okay for them. Maybe you can handle that liberty, but they can't handle that liberty, and them seeing you do it causes them to engage in it, and it destroys them, not you. That's a lack of love. That's why we don't do those things. Not because I can't. It's because I won't. Notice where it goes from here. But beware lest this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to those who are weak. Is that simple enough for you? 
What it says is, and, and I will use an analogy, you're out hiking, you're out on a trail somewhere, and your friends are with you, and you take them to the rockiest place that you can find, and you blindfold them and say, now find your way. Oh, and by the way, it's dark, and you don't get a flashlight. You, you put a stumbling stone in front of them, and you say, hope you make it. Hope your journey comes out okay. Hope you got a rubber face mask for when your face hits the rocks. You, you, you see, in the, the exercise of our liberties, we need to beware lest somehow this liberty of mine, the liberty that I have in Christ, have been set free. There's no biblical prohibition against an awful lot of things. But if I exercise those liberties to the point that I have taken my brother out on a trail and I take him to the rockiest part of it and I blindfold him with my liberty because he saw me do it. He saw me engage in it. Well, if Pastor Jeff does it, it must be okay. If Pastor Jeff does it, then God approves of it. If Pastor Jeff does it, then, hey, it must absolutely be beneficial. Because after all, he's a pastor. And I'm using myself as an example. I take my brother out on the trail. I blindfold him with my liberty. And I put him on a rocky road. And I lay in front of him these huge rocks. And I say, I hope it works out okay for you. It's fine for me because I can see. I have that spiritual knowledge. Remember where we started. I know these things. I know that having one glass of wine with dinner isn't going to harm me. But I can tell you how many people are harmed by that one glass because it becomes a lifestyle for them and it destroys them. So I have zero. You see, I have none. Because I don't ever want to stand before God and go, well, thank you for the liberty. I know these guys died, but boy, was I okay. You see, I don't want to put a stumbling block in front of my brother. I don't want to destroy my sister. I don't want to enable them to think something's okay with God that will destroy them or hurt them or harm them. That I show them as love. So it's not love to go out with your friends and go, let's party hardy. Because you want to be relevant. What you're telling them is it's okay. And God approves of it. You see, whatever you approve of, they assume God approves of. So be careful how you exercise your liberties, is the word here. Be a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge, notice this, eating, it's okay. You know it's a dumb idol. It's, it's cheap meat. Matter of fact, it's the best hunks of beef on the planet. It is Kobe beef that comes out of the temple, okay? And it's this big, fat, juicy portion of, I know it's near lunchtime, filet mignon, and it is bacon wrapped three layers deep. And you take it out, man, this temple meat is awesome. And as you cut into it, and you 
little juice there on the tip of your fork, and you're just like, you take it out, and man, I know that no idol that this was offered to makes this meat anything other than scrumptilicious. You see, to you, you know that. You have no problem whatsoever discerning that this is just a hunk of really nice beef. But what about the guy who believes that that thing has power? What about the guy who believes that this was offered up to a God who is, from a Christian perspective, abominable? Ow. See, it changes your perspective, because now in love, I don't want him to believe what he's believing. And the only way for me to do that is to not take that liberty of that big old hunk of meat. So he goes on to say, or if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? Amen. That's why, family of God, you don't go sit in a bar and go, I'm okay, I'm just having one. While your weak brother who you went in with is having ten. Because he sees Pastor Jeff, and I'll again make it personal so you guys can just blame me for the analogy. I'm sitting there, and I'm perfectly okay having one glass of beer. You know, I've got some German in me. I mean, we're just like, we're attracted to beer, okay? It's, let's just make it clear. I have German in me. I went to Oktoberfest while we lived in Austria. And it's, you can get beer in McDonald's in Germany. Did you know that? But see, if somebody sees me doing that, and maybe you've struggled with alcohol your entire life, and all of a sudden there's Jeff, and you know Pastor Jeff used to struggle with alcohol, and Pastor Jeff is okay doing it, well, if he's okay, then I'm good too. And all of a sudden they're emboldened to do something you should be telling them no to because you love them. Because it's harder to say no, isn't it? It's hard to say, no, I'm not going to engage in that. It's harder to be that example because that example is love. And because of your knowledge, shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? You see, you know you have liberty. You know that God that that meat was offered to, you know that has no hold on you because you've been set free in Christ and you're doing good. But should you ever use that liberty in a way that it would harm someone else? You see, I know that. I've shared with you before and I think I'll share it again. There was a time... My first year in ministry at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. So we're going back two and a half decades ago. You all know that I'm kind of an avid backpacker, rock climber type. And I think that actually Bishop is kind of like the Mecca of the known world activity wise. And so we're in Bishop. We're there in the, the supermarket and, and we're sitting there. And this is my first experience. And I'm set free. I'm in ministry. I'm like sitting there and I've got my Christian t-shirt on and I'm in line and I've got a small bottle of alcohol that we're going to take backpacking with us. And I'm going through and I'm not really comfortable with it. It was kind of one of those things I the spirit was speaking. It's like, yeah, you 
really don't want to do that. It's kind of the past. You really shouldn't do those kind of things. And here I am. I'm standing in line. And, oh, hi, Pastor Jeff. (laughs) Oh, dear God, help me. So I'm like shoving it to the side like it's not mine, you know. You, you, You see, on one hand, wasn't like anybody was going to go out and get drunk on it. But the bottom line is, here's somebody who knows me and sees that. They're going, well, what kind of liberty is that? Never again. There is no place on this earth that I can go. No place on this earth I can go to where the Holy Spirit isn't going to speak to me and say, do you really want to take that chance? Uh-uh. Don't want to take that chance ever I don't want anybody to ever be emboldened by my actions to do something that won't harm me, but will harm them. Ever. That's the word to us. You you see, that weak brother might take that. Can you imagine? Maybe that person is really struggling, and maybe they do go and drink that in their car, and they drive down the road, and perhaps they get in an accident to kill somebody. That's on me. That's on me. I would have emboldened them to do something that could harm them or destroy them. How many people have struggled with infinite numbers of things? Money, possessions, power, relationships, alcohol, drugs. I mean, you could just go on and on and on about the things that people struggle with, and you realize how easy it is for us to put someone else in harm's way by taking liberty. Pastor Chuck, one of the wisest things he has ever said to me, he said, Jeff, the best liberty that you will ever take is the one that you choose not to take. He says, you can do a lot of things. But in choosing not to do it, you're dying to yourself. In choosing to do it, you're serving yourself. So the more you die to yourself, the guess, guess who you're more like. You're more like Christ, Amen. And so as we die to self and we lay down these things that we could do, and we say, you know what, for the sake of the weak, I won't do that. For the sake of the unknowing, I won't do that. For the sake of that person who maybe is struggling with that, I won't do that. Even though I can, that's love. That tells people you love them. That shows them the real Jesus. Verse 12, but when you thus sin against the brethren, notice this, to take that liberty is to sin against the brethren. You see, we have an obligation to to not sin against our, our brothers and sisters. And I want to be really careful here. It doesn't mean that some people are just geared towards Uh, introspection, and and they will overthink things. Some people are geared towards inspecting everybody else's life, and they would judge you no matter what you do. There are all kinds of extremes here, but we're talking about the principle of love and the action of love. And the action of love is, I don't want to sin against my brother by causing him to think something that's not good for him. I don't want him to be hurt. Sometimes in marriage counseling, 
this shows up. There are things that are not inherently wrong that maybe one or the other spouse will be doing. But for the sake of conscience and for the sake of love, say, you know what, you both ought to knock that off. Neither one of you should do it. Because in doing it, you're harming your brother or your sister because your wife, your husband, remains your brother or your sister, irregardless of the fact that you're married to them. They're still your brother or sister in Christ. How many things do we do that put our own spouses in harm's way, put our own children in harm's way, lay a stumbling stone in front of somebody we care very deeply about because we have liberty? And wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Notice the to know with gets damaged. Their conscience is damaged, and here's how it's damaged. Because now they don't actually know what the truth is. You see, you had an opportunity, I had an opportunity to show them the love of God, and I didn't take it. I didn't deny myself, I didn't pick up my cross, and I didn't follow Christ, because Christ would have said, for the sake of love, I won't do that. Let me give you a very clear picture of this. Was Jesus always God? The answer is yes, amen. When he was on the cross, was he any less than God? The answer is no. When he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he was doing exactly the opposite of what he had every right to do. He had every right to yell out, Father, damn them all to hell because they put me on this cross. He, had every, he was holy God. He was completely God. Absolutely righteous. He could have demanded just payment. He said, enough's enough. I spent 32 years on this rock. They won't listen to me. And this is the end of my life. God, kill them all. But what did he do? He said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And he cries out to Telestai. It's finished. He died to himself. To show you and me love. He had every liberty of heaven. He could have simply said, you know what, I'm just going to create a new earth. These guys don't get it. I'm tired of all this mistreatment. I'm tired of the misunderstanding. I am tired. I am sick to death of these people, God, you gave me. But his love compelled him to take upon himself the death that wasn't his. And that is the picture to you and to me of our liberties. We can do many things. The question is, should we? Love cries out to you and to me for love's sake. No, we shouldn't do them. We shouldn't take that liberty. We ought to give of ourselves to the point that that other person knows that God loves them. That God cares for them. That God has them in mind, not just you in mind. And so he says, and therefore, if food makes my brother stumble. Think of this. How crazy is this? What, what an amazing example this is. We go from the cross to a cheeseburger. Think about it. Put this in your mind. As Isaiah said, let's reason together for a moment. 
Jesus dies on Calvary's cross, he lays down everything. Can we not in and of ourselves just simply say, for the sake of the cross, I'm not going to have that beer. For the sake of the cross and for love, I'm I'm not going to go to Vegas. For the sake of the cross and love, I'm not going to use that word. For the sake of the cross and love, I'm going to lay down my liberties for the sake of the weak. I'm going to go, Lord, I want to be used by you. And I know that that person needs a deeper walk with you. And if I do this, it's going to stagnate their walk. They're going to be stuck there for a while longer. You know, for me, it's an easy choice. I don't always make it correctly. But I'm telling you, it's an easy choice. When people come and they say, should I do this? And sometimes they look with with disdain at me when I say it's it's easy to discern. No, it's not. Yes, it is. If love is the prime motivator of all action in the life of the believer, which it should be, if that love flows from the cross and goes down to your eating habits, then you will do the right thing. You'll lay down that liberty. You won't do the things that you can because it might harm someone else. And so for us as the body of Christ... You ought to be able to say whatever you did, whatever liberty you took, that you took it in love. That I exercised love when I did that. That I showed my children love. I showed my spouse love. I showed the people in the church love. I showed the lost love. I showed a dying world love through my action. Then you can begin to apply it to a lot of things. Should I buy that extravagant house? Should I purchase that $150,000 car? Should I do these things that might cause someone else to, to stumble? And I think those, those discerning things, by the work of the Spirit in us, you're going to get a clear answer for. You're going to have the answer you're looking for. You may not like it. I may not like it. But let me share something with you. I have never, not once, since I've been in ministry, regretted giving up a liberty. Never. Not once. Never. As I give those things up, I say, Lord, those are your things anyway. Fill my life with the things that you want. When we do that, this passage applies. And therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I'll never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. I want to embolden the Christ consciousness, not the Christian science Christ conscience, but the conscience that we have because we're God's kids. I want to embolden that in other people's lives. And so I need to be very careful about the liberties that I exercise and where I exercise them. I need to have that balance between realizing that people will probably judge you anyway. I'm not talking about that at all. There are judgmental people, and you could give away all of your money. You could sell your house, sell your cars. They'd still find some reason to complain about your life, okay? That's just, that's people. We're not talking about that group. We're talking about where you do have influence, 
and where you are someone that people look up to and where you are viewed as someone who knows the Lord and where God is at work in your life and you have that sphere that people are going, wow, this is how Jeff reacts to that situation. If you don't remember a thing, remember that liberty must be exercised in love. That whatever you do, you should be able to point someone to the cross of Christ through doing it. And if you can't point them to the cross of Christ, and if you can't say, I loved you enough to make this decision, then you probably ought to rethink the decision. We do have a conscience, and that conscience is guided by love. And I pray that as we exercise it, that we'll have an impact a loving impact on our home, in our community, our state, our nation, our world. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the liberty that we have. And Lord, we pray. I I want to pray for those that perhaps are here this morning and they've been struggling with some area uh, of liberty in their life. And it's just, it's, it's gotten a hold of them. And Lord, it is a stumbling block. And I would pray that you just set them free to, to live lives of love, to lay that liberty down and just simply not pick it up again if it's stumbling someone. And I want to pray for those that are perhaps dealing with legalism and they think everything's offensive and, and we aren't free at all. Lord, I pray that you'd correct that theology for your word declares that you, the Son, is set free is free indeed. And, Lord, that's free to enjoy the goodness of the bounty you've placed on this earth. It, it's free to enjoy those things which you've given us richly. And so I pray that you'd keep us from those, those extreme views, the, the hyper-legalism, the, the lack of love, Lord, that goes with it. And we pray for those that are set free to do the wrong things. Lord, just as Paul said as he wrote to the Roman church, We should never go on sinning that grace might abound. And so, Lord, help us to find that balance. We want to have strong consciences that are guided by your word and by the spirit through prayer and through counsel. We love you. We praise you. We bless you. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus, our loving Savior. Amen.